I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk for just a few minutes here, and then we're going to respond to the Lord for a little bit. Uh, and then we're going to spend time praying uh, for our city, for your city, and for the nations of the world. And so that's going to be a powerful time. But I want to read out of Luke chapter 15. Uh, this is a familiar story to many of you. It's the, the parable of the prodigal son. Luke chapter 15, we'll begin here in verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he, because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. And you never, and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a goat. Say goat. Come on, say goat. goat. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, here it is. This is where we're going this afternoon. You are always with me and everything I have is yours but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found place your hand on your heart and let's pray father would you reveal your word to us today god we ask for revelation in jesus name God, we want to be sons and daughters living in your house with the right image of your loving kindness. I ask, Lord Jesus, for every 12-year-old, every 15-year-old, every 18-year-old, every 22-year-old in the room, Lord God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to see who you really are. We desire to have an accurate view of your personality and your character and what you're really like. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a little boy named Justice and he's two years old and I, I, I love when Justice is running around uh, my house. He usually runs around in his diaper. He's two, he's fun. He kind of says, at two, at two years old, he kind of says a couple words, but not lots of words. And, and so uh, oftentimes I'm sitting at my desk on my laptop and he'll come running in while I'm trying to study and Justice will come up to my lap. He'll jump in my lap and he'll, and he'll begin to just pound on my laptop. And so he'll just start you know, hitting the keys and I, 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 I delight in him so much. I like him so much. I can't ever just, you know, like not let him do it. You know, like I, you can ask IT here at this church. I've had many keys ripped off my computer from little kids just ripping keys off. Like, you know, when I'm typing, oftentimes I don't have, you know, a T or an R or, you know, an O because just rip the keys off because it's just so fun because it kind of feels like, hey, this is my laptop, but this is my boy. And I don't want to put my boy down. And if he wants to play with a laptop, then I want my boy to sit right here and play with a laptop. In fact, I have lots of journals 
journals. When, when I spend time with God, I have a Bible, a journey, a journal, and a cup of coffee and a pen. That's just the way I do it. You may do it your way. I do it my way. Some of you guys, you know, you, you spend time with God on your iPhone. Nice. How I do it is I sit there with a Bible and a journal, and, but my journals right now are filled with scribbles because justice sits up in my lap, takes my pen while I'm writing and he'll take it and he'll just start scribbling. He'll just start marking out everything I've said to God. You know, I'm like writing my prayers and he just scribbles. He just writes, you know, takes it. And, and yet there's this, this thing inside of me that because he's, he's, he's my boy, he's, he's my son. It's like this journal, this pen, this house, this Mac, man, it's, it's yours, Just. I mean, I, I want you to enjoy it. I, I like it when you come and take this stuff. This is fun. He'll always take my drink. My kids right now, they come and they drink my coffee. I know, don't judge me. All right. They'll come, they'll drink my coffee. They're little kids. They'll drink my coffee. I can't help myself. I just, I, I want them to take the coffee. My son Dawson, he came to me this year and he said, dad, you know what my favorite time of year is? I said, what? He said, desperation. He said, I, I'd like to do uh, something in desperation this year. I said, what? He said, I'd like to be the graphic artist this year. He said, I, I, I'd like to make t-shirts for desperation. I said, Dawson, son, at the time he's seven. You saw, we sang to him yesterday, he's eight now. I said, Dawson, you're seven years old, bud. We'll, we'll leave that to someone else. And he said, well, why? I said, well, it's because Doss, you got people, this is what they do for a living. They're professionals. They've got, they've got talent. This is what they do. We got to make it excellent. And he said, yeah, but you started desperation. So why don't you let me do it? <laughs> and in it, do you hear what he's saying? He's not appealing to his talent. He's appealing to my kindness. In the very core of it, he's, he doesn't care. It's not like I got to have the skills. He's like, I know I'm seven, but you're my dad. And I'm your boy. And you got desperation. So let me do the graphic art. I'm not, I'm not trying to be as talented as the other guys. It's not about my talent. It's about who my dad is. He's like, so I just want to know, can I make a t-shirt for desperation? I said, well, yes, you can. So we've got in the bookstore t-shirts made by a seven-year-old on an iPad that says, Jesus is real. That's what it says right there. Yeah. There's something inside of Dawson that could figure out it wasn't so much about his talent or his skill set. He wasn't looking to that. He was looking. I, I know at my core that my dad is all about me. My dad likes me. My dad delights in me. My dad loves me. And because of my position as his son, I'm going to ask for stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to believe. I'm going to press him. I got an image of my dad that my dad wants to give me good things. When we're reading here about the prodigal son, it's interesting to read about the prodigal and his older brother. The, 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 the son who was lost by being out in a foreign land and the son who was lost but was in the father's house. They're both lost. One was out in a distant country squandering his father's wealth on wild living. One was living in his father's house Keeping the rules without a grid or a clue about the loving kindness of his father. Both of them were lost. Most of the time today, we talk mostly about people that are lost that are out doing bad things. They're lost, you know, they're prodigals. But much of the time, we, we who are keeping the rules, we who are doing good things, we, we're, we're in the field, we're at the church, we're singing in the choir, we're doing the deal. And yet, if we do not have an accurate view of God, we are as lost as the prodigal son. We are clueless as to the excellencies of our father. Because when you hear the language here of the older son, he refuses to go in. His brothers come home. He won't even say the word brother. He says, but when this son of yours comes home, you kill the fattened calf. In the language, he won't even say he's his, he's his brother. He's, he's bitter at his brother. He looks at his father and even the language that he uses, he says, here I am. Here I am. I'm keeping the rules. I haven't done anything wrong. 
And I've stayed at the house slaving for you. Hear that word? Slaving. It's his view of his father. It's his false view of his father. His father. It's interesting because Jesus tells the story. He tells the story about a father that runs and chases after the son who's out in sin. But he also tells the story of a father going out into the field and chasing after the son who refuses to be close to his father, even though he's in the father's house. They have a conversation. He comes out to him and he says, son, why won't you come in and join the party? This, this son of mine who was lost, he was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. Come join the celebration. The son looks back at him and goes, I'm not going in. No, my view of you, my view of the, my, my worldview of how this exists is I, I am accepted based upon what I do. And I've been slaving, I've been keeping the rules. And you won't even, you won't even, you won't even give me a young goat to have a party with my friends. I'm not going in there. You're not fair. You won't even give me a young goat. And you hear what the father looks back at him. Listen to this language. He goes, son. You are always with me. And get this language. And all that I have is yours. Holy caboose is Cornelius. Let's do that again. <laughs> all that I have is yours. Son, you never asked for a goat. You want a goat? Ask for a goat. I don't care. Ask for a lion, a tiger, a giraffe, whatever you want. All that I have is yours. You don't have a goat because you never asked for a goat. You don't know who I am. You don't know the depth of my love for you, son. He looks at him and he goes, everything I've got, you live in the fall. Imagine being this brother. Living in that house in proximity of nearness to his father and not knowing his dad. No relationship. Can you imagine year after year, week after week? It's how we live. Many of us live this way all the time. I go to church. I go to youth group. I'm there on Wednesdays. I even go to the retreat. I live in church. I, I mean, I'm, 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 a, I'm a good kid. I don't break the rules. I'm not one of the bad kids. I'm not the prodigal. I'm not out there, you know, doing drugs or whatever the thing is, whatever the things we put in our culture, that's the bad stuff. No, I'm not doing that bad stuff. You're, but we're keeping the rules. We're living in the father's house. But we don't know the father. We don't have relationship. We're not taking everything that he has for us. The most important thing about you, the number one most important thing about you is what you see when you picture God. When you imagine God, when you have an image of what does God look like, what do you see? If you are an older brother and you're out here and you're slaving, you're just like, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm supposed to do. I've got no relationship, but I'm going to just hang here. Your heart will become bitter in time, just like you hear of the older brother. Here I am, not enjoying the benefits of your house, not language like, here I am, dad, getting to live close to you and feasting on the abundance of your house. Instead, what you have is, here I am, slaving, a slave in your house, working, and you won't give to me what I want. You and I, There may have been a day where you came to Jesus and you looked and you encountered God and you saw him where you were like the prodigal and you you felt his embrace. You knew that he kissed you and he saw you and he had compassion on you and you ran to him and he ran to you and he lifted your face and he brought you into his house and you could say, that's who my father is. But weeks turned to months and months turned to years and years turned to decades And over time, it's easy to transition into becoming like the older brother, just slaving away in the house, not knowing, not walking with my father, not knowing all that he's got for me. 
Your image of God, how you see God, your view of God, when you picture God, what you see is the most important thing about you. When you go to imagine him, what, what does it look like? What do you see? Do you see his loving kindness? Romans 2.4 says that his, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's the love of God. It's, 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 it's who he is as a, as a loving father, his kindness towards you. And yet I know the temptation for us is to live in the father's house. We got all the trappings of the Christian life all around us. We got little five minute devotional Bibles. We can quote Veggie Tales. We listen to Christian music. Our youth pastors, you know, cool guy in girl jeans. We got all the trappings of cool youth group. We got cool books, got cool videos, come to church. We don't do bad things. And yet my question for you this afternoon is, but do you know him? Are you a son? Are you a daughter that knows his kindness for you and walks in authentic relationship with you? Your Father wants to give you more than you can fathom. He wants to give you more than you're currently taking. I know we sing the song, at least we used to. We used to always sing the song, take, take, take it all, take, take, take it all. You know that song? Run into the land of flagely, whatever, however it goes. My life, that, yeah, that song. And we sing that song, take, take, take it all, take, take. Take it all, take, take, take it, take it, take it, take it, take, take, take it all, that song. And yet, I want to know, are we taking all that God has for us? A.W. Tozer says, Christians don't tell lies, they sing them. We sing, take, take all that God has. I'll take everything that you've got for me. And yet, The father's going, all that I have is yours. Everything, everything that I've got, it belongs to you. And we're over here going, why won't God give me this? Well, why won't God give me that? And and our false view of God is keeping us from stepping into the fullness of what he has for us. Our false view of God keeps us from taking all that he's got. And we go, you won't even give me a goat. You won't even, and he's going, I've got more than a goat for you. You want a calf? Take the calf. You want a party? I'd love to throw you a party. You're my son. I am always with you. All that I have is yours. We don't have a grid. We don't have a clue. In your journey, you're taking so much less than what's available. It's time to go. You're my father. I'm going to appeal to your loving kindness and I'm going to take more. I want all that you've got for me. Matthew 7, 11, Jesus said, the father wants to give us good gifts. Ask and you receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open to you. He wants to give you good things. Isaiah 30 verse 18 says, yet the Lord longs, longs, that's the strong language. Yet the Lord longs, he desires, he wants, the Lord longs to be gracious to, gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed, 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 blessed. Let's get that. Blessed are all, all, all. Blessed are you. Blessed are all who wait on him. Oh, there's so much to be taken. There's so much to be taken. The question is, are you living in the trappings of Christianity? Maybe good parents, maybe good church, and yet your heart isn't connected to a vital relationship with the Father. You're just going through the motions. And even here, even here, sometimes you come up and you got friends all around you and they're jumping and they're dancing and you're like, what's up? I'll do that. But when it comes to just you and God and it's just you and Jesus in the secret place, there's not relationship. You're just going through the motions. You're living in the Father's house. You're living in a church world, but you don't know him. Your parents' religion, maybe. Your youth pastors, but I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you and God in a room, how much conversation takes place. We've got tons and tons of stuff in our culture to help you. 
We've got little books and little journals and Christian t-shirts and preaching vegetables. We've got all these things to try to help you. But take all that aside, push all that away. And when it's just you and God in the secret place, when it's just you and him, do you have the right view of God? Are you taking all that he's got for you? Do you know who he is? Do you walk with him? Do you see it? I remember when I was in junior high, I was a church kid. I was, a, I was doing everything right kind of kid. I was just like this older brother. And a young man in our junior high got saved, said yes to Jesus. He'd been totally on the other end of the spectrum. And in just a matter of weeks, he began to mess up my life with his understanding of what we have as Christ followers. Because I was just, I was, I, I thought I was doing great. I thought I was, I thought I was doing just fine. I was going to a public junior high and this guy got saved. And I'll never forget when all of a sudden he began to say, why don't we have prayer meetings in the morning for the lost kids in our school? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. And he began to bring his Bible to school each day. I said, why are you doing that? And he, well, cause I'm, I, I'm giving my life to Jesus and it's everything to me. And I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, cool, bro. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. And then when kids would get hurt or sick, he began to say, well, don't, doesn't it say that we should pray for them and they'd be healed? Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I guess that's available. Yeah, 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 yeah. Prayer is available. Yeah, you're praying for healing is available. Yeah, yeah. The word of God is available. And he began to tell people and sign up to be able to preach. Only the, pre- only the teachers would preach in our little Bible club. And he said, I want to teach. I said, you're, you're barely saved. You know, like I want to teach. You don't know any verses. I know one. I'll teach it. And, and all of a sudden the bar was kind of raised because whatever, even in, as a few weeks old in God, he began to take, take, take. And a whole culture began to kind of rise up and say, we need to, we got to take more. If there's more available, we want to take it. And if we can live without it, we'll go without it. But if you can't live without it, if there's a, a desperation inside of your heart that goes, I can't live without this. I want the fullness of what God has to offer me. And you begin to take it and you begin to ask for it. God will give you far more than you could ever fathom in him. God will begin to build you up and God will begin to, gra- begin to grant you more and you'll begin to feast at his table. And it will not be a lifeless religion. It'll be a vital relationship. It'll be something that's so real to you and so alive to you. So the way that Paul talks about it in Ephesians 3, he says, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power. Wait, let me start that again. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he's got a lot, he's the Father. He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Whoa. He's going, something's available. Paul's saying, I want you to have strength in your inner man. Imagine your inner man not bending and moving based upon what everybody thinks of you. Being strong, you possessing power so that Christ may dwell in you, the God of the ages, indwelling you, making you powerful in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp and get this, how wide and how high and how long and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Ha! Did you get that? To know a love that surpasses your brain. To know a love that surpasses knowledge. Because I want you to know of a loving father. A love that you cannot explain. It surpasses the mind. It's unfathomable. It's unthinkable. It's more than you can comprehend. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to all the measure of all the, get this, all the fullness. The fullness What? What are you talking about, Paul? The fullness of God for me? Yeah, you. Me? I'm just the little guy. Yeah, you. No, you. No, me. You. you. Us? Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh -uh, Uh-uh. Uh-huh. No. What? The fullness of God. Huh? Yeah. You. We've got no clue about the dignity that we possess because we're sons and daughters of God. We're walking in one one thousandth of what's available to us. There is so, a love that surpasses all understanding. The fullness of God. 
Psalm 36 reads like this. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains. Your justice is like the great deep. Your love preserves both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Here it is, verse 8. They feast on the abundance of your house. (sighs) Feast, that's you. That's me. Not starving to death, wondering why I'm working for God and doing the God thing, man. Not just, yeah, I'm doing the God thing, I'm doing the Christian thing. Oh, no, 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 it's a different worldview. No, I'm a son and I'm feasting on the abundance of what God has to offer his people. And the fullness of God is available to me. Huh? Yeah, then get this. They feast on the abundance of your house and you give them drink from your river of delights. I have no idea what that means, but I want it. You give them drink from the river of your delights. Oh, I don't know what the river of delights looks like, but I want to drink from it. I want to feast on the abundance of his house. I want to drink from the rivers of his delights. I want, if there is something available that God has to the human heart, we want it. Not, hey, I want to live as close to sin as possible and live as close to being accepted by God so that I can make it into heaven. No, no, no. That's called misery. That's your heart constantly being torn. Oh, I love the things of this world and I love me and I love myself and I want that and I want that and I want that. Oh, and I like God. I've had some encounters and so I want some of this too. It's You live in this lukewarm, miserable, chained, messed up. Tell what you want is, I want all that God's got for me. I want everything that he has. And you'll watch because the things of this earth grow strangely dim. When you feast on him. I'm telling you, listen, there are some of you in in youth groups tonight, it's this afternoon. Some of you are going to get this. Some of you are going to start to feast on God. And you watch three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten kids in your youth group will start to look at you like, what? What is it with you? What is it about you? I want that. I want some of that. That's what it says in Psalms. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Some of us, we haven't, we haven't tasted. We're settling. We're settling with so much less than what God has for us. I want to beg of you today, as you look at being a Christ follower for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years to come. If you will begin to feast on God and have God be your contentment, God be the thing, God be your all in all. Not just the behavior. Oh, I love behavior. I love right behavior. I think it's awesome. I think it's good. But if you live with right behavior and not a heart fully alive, you'll end up like the older brother feeling like you're a slave in the house and become bitter towards God. But if you'll see him for who he really is, if you'll see what he has for you, do you know him? I'm not talking about the person next to you. I'm not talking about have you known him three years ago. I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about you and God. Are you, put your name in the blank, are you, do you you see him? Do do, Do you walk with him? Do you love him? Do you encounter him? Is this conference just a rah-rah moment with your friends? Or are you the one with the Father feasting? God, I'm with you. You're always with me. I always want to be with you. You've made available to me an abundance at the house. I want more. You sit at the table. There's a feast. And you go, I want that, I want that, I want that, and I want more. He's like, really? Oh, yeah. He's like, what more do you want? I want that, I want that, and I want more. I want all that you'll give me. That's the only way to live the Christian journey. How far can I go? God, how much will you give me? I want passion. 
I want to live with passion. I want to study out, read books on how, what it means that you have passion for me. I want to grow in passion for you. So I'll spend time with you and walk with you and know you. You've said that when, when I pray that it moves things and it changes the world. And so I want intercession. I want to be a man of prayer. I want, I, I, I want, I want to encounter God, but I want to pray. I want to see the world change. I want to live so set apart for you in consecration. I don't want the things of this life to dictate what I love and what I desire. I want the things of God to dictate what I love and what I desire. I want him to transform my emotions so much so that I live like a misfit, so that I live like a resident alien, so that I live different on the planet. I want to have a mission. I want to have a, a goal, what you've called me to do. If you've, got, if you've got a mission from God, you watch, joy will spring out of your life. You'll find joy. You'll find delight. Without mission, without vision, you don't have joy. And if your only mission and your only vision is to live for yourself, you'll find yourself hating life because putting you on the throne, you being Lord of your life is misery. In the end, in the end, it's ashes. We see it in our culture all the time. People say, I want to help myself. I want to live for me. And they end up miserable. But Christ followers, we stay on mission. And when we've got something to die for, when we've got something to live for, you watch interior joy begins to swell up in your heart. The joy of Jesus, John 17, Hebrews 12, 2 says the joy set before me endured the cross. He was on mission. He had joy. It's available to you. It's available at the table to feast on God, to have more. I'm telling you, half of us live. We live on so little and God's going, I've got more for you. No, 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 I'm too busy, God. I've got cheerleading, pom-pom, chess club, and vice president of German club, and I'm, I'm in the youth group, palm squad, and I just got books to read, and I got Nintendo Wii to play, and I, I, I uh, God, I, I really need to um, download a new app on my phone, and, and I got so much to do, and God's gone, I've got, I've got, I've got so much more for you. Friends, you decide how close you're going to be to God. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. You're deciding every day, how close? How close do you want to be? There is a feast available to you. A.W. Tozer says that, (laughs) he says, we are like people standing outside the door of a buffet with the door closed, starving to death when the door is available to open and go feast. And yet we just stay here starving. Imagine starving to death outside of a room because you just wouldn't walk through the door because you just decided I wanna live for me and I'm not gonna go feast my favorite airport in America is Houston Airport because they have a Papados. And at Papados, during the week, they have a buffet, but you have to go up the stairs to get to it. Can you imagine if I died of starvation sitting on the stairs? Because I just didn't want to go up the stairs to Papados. I just, just didn't, too much work to go through the door. Too much work. Psalm 36, There's a, there is a, a feast for you to eat. You could drink from the river of his delights. The New King James says, his river of pleasures. You can drink from it. You, and you decide. And I'm telling you, friends, you'll starve to death if you try to feed yourself on all the things that the culture has and try to live for yourself. But if you will take it, whatever God has, I'm gonna take it. If he says, all right, What's available to you is a spirit of might in your inner man. You don't have to be tossed and blown and swayed according to the culture. You can, have a, you can be mighty in spirit. Well, ha, I want that. If he says in Ephesians 1 that you can live with the spirit of revelation so that the Bible's not cold and dull, but you've got revelation in the Holy Spirit, the living word is speaking to you through the written word, and you can live with the spirit of revelation, then why are we crying out for God? I want a spirit of revelation. If the Holy Spirit is alive inside of you and said, we can go and do miracles and we can see healings, then why do we live without it? 
If God has said, if Jesus looks at his disciples and says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore you go. You've got the authority that I've got. Take my authority and go change the world and make disciples. How on earth could we live bored and dull, feasting on other things? I'm telling you, one of the biggest lies of the enemy in our culture is that being a Christ follower is boring. Let me tell you, it is boring to live out in the world like everybody else. It is boring to pursue narcissism and live for yourself. It is dead, but everybody else is doing it. It is so boring to try to feed every amusement, every entertainment, every recreation, every food to try to feast for yourself. It's boring. The thrill of a lifetime is the invitation that Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary, all who are broken, and I will make broken people whole and you'll feast on the abundance of my house. You, you're always with me and all that I have is yours. Well, what is yours? Creation. What else? Heaven. What else? Everything. For me, you, no. Yeah, no. For me, uh uh-huh. Well, what are we doing? Starving to death, sitting by the, outside the buffet. I'm telling you, God has called you to feast on it. You go, David, no, I don't think so. I think that's just a sermon. I, I don't think it's really real. Test me. Get along with God. Find the scriptures. Don't look and say, well, based upon someone else, this friend, this youth pastor, the way this person lives, I'm going to judge their life, make my resolution, my determination about what I think of Christianity based on them. No, you get alone with God. You start doing it every day. God, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. God, I pray, Lord God, that I would love you with a a love that surpasses knowledge. Put that inside of me. Ask God. He says that when you ask, he says that when you seek, he's going to give it to you. So you start asking God. You'll be surprised. Your heart will start to grow in love for God. You'll start to get a spirit of of revelation and you'll be surprised. You start praying for your enemies and loving your enemies. You'll watch God transform you. You'll be surprised. Christianity is the most thrilling way to live on the earth. It is not the most boring. And if you say to yourself, well, right now I'm living it. I'm, 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 I'm bored. Then I'm going to tell you that's because you're boring. You're living for yourself because following Jesus is the opposite of boring. It's definitely hard. It's definitely enduring enduring hardship, but it is the thrill of a lifetime. It is anything but boring. There may be days that you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, and there might be days where you're walking on a mountaintop, and there might be days where you're serving, and there might be days where you're praying for a miracle, but it's anything but dull and boring because you're walking in relationship with the God of the ages. Boredom fills our youth groups and it's not because Jesus is boring. It's because we're mixing ourselves and trying to get a little Jesus frosting on top. No, give everything to God and you'll watch. God will raise up a mighty army in your youth group and you'll be able to make a measurable impact in your city. You'll be given to cry out to God and God will do stuff. It's not boring. The most thrilling way to live, the most enjoyable way to live, the way that God created you, the way that we're going to walk forever and ever is with him. And it's the thrill. It's not boring. It's not dull. God has called you to feast on him. God has called you not to stay. It's miserable out in the, it's miserable to live out in the fields. No real relationship. Just doing the work with no relationship. And the heart slowly grows dull and bitter. God, where are the blessings? God, why am I stuck out here? God, why did you put me at this high school? God, why are my parents so mean? God, why is my girlfriend ugly? Whatever you feel. (laughs) Just kidding. You begin, I'm just making sure you're still with me. You begin to get accusation in your heart. You begin to get angry at God. Because it's not relationship. You're just walking in religion. But if you go, I want all. God, I want everything. And I'm not, I'm not talking about your talents. That's not because of how great you are. I'm not talking about your discipline. I'm talking about you going, I'm going to call out based upon your loving kindness. Based upon what you said in your word that you give to those that ask. And I'm a broken kid and I need you. And I want to have a spirit of might, my inner man. And I want to know that love, the love that surpasses knowledge. And I want to be fearless and I want to be bold. And God, I know it's not based upon my gifts and my talents and what I can do is based upon you. And so I'm not asking based upon my track record. I'm not asking based upon my resume. I'm not asking about all the great things I've done, but I know you're kind. I I know that you're good. I know that you love me. I know that you're for me. And because of who you are, because of what you did, because of what you've done in the past, I'm just like a little kid.
going to say, give it to me. God, let me love your word. Right now, I think your Bible's so boring. I want to love it. God, I want to love prayer. Right now, I feel like I'm just talking to myself, but I want to love it. I pray that I would have a spirit of might on the inside. Right now, I'm so easily discouraged. I want to be mighty in spirit. God, I don't really know what it means to feast on the pleasures of God, but I want to know your attributes. I want on my tongue to be the goodness of God. You said in your word to taste and see that you're good. I want to taste it. I want to know what it's like. I want to have a fire in my heart. I I don't want to live bored, living for myself. I want the thrill of following Jesus. I want everything. And you'll watch the good father. He loves to give good gifts to his children. And he'll go, all right, if you'll ask for it, I'll give it to you. And I'll give you a love for prayer. And I'll give you a love for mission. And I'll give you a a spirit that's alive on the inside. And I'll cause fire to grow in your heart. And I'll give you revelation. You'll start to like the scriptures. And you'll watch your whole worldview will start to form around God. And your identity will start to change because you all of a sudden you care about the things he cares about. And you'll become weird. You'll become strange. You'll become a Christ follower. That's who we are. That's our privilege. That's what I want us to do. I want, I want to take a few minutes and I just want to cry out to God. I want to ask God for stuff. I want, if John could come on up, I want us to take a few minutes. This is not an altar call moment. This is not a run up here and if you're in kind of thing. I want us to be specific. I know you're in. I know I've watched you run the altar two, twice already. I want, us to be, I want us to be specific and ask God, God, and ask him. Ask him for the good gifts that he wants to give you. Maybe, God, I want, to, I want to see people healed. God, I want a heart that burns for you. God, I want to love you. I want, to, I want the first commandment to be first in my life. God, I want to love people. God, I want to forgive all that whatever you know to be true of God. Oh, God, I want your authority. I want to, God, I, I want to be able to have a, a might in my heart. I want the authority of God, whatever the things are. I want you to get in your head right now. Get in your head. What is the things you want to ask God for that you want to feast on? Stand your feet. us to take a few minutes and I just want us to be like starving children saying, God, I want to take more. I want to take it all. I want to take everything. I want the fullness of God. I want, I don't know what it means to have no love that surpasses knowledge, but I want that love. So if you want to come pray with us, we're going to have a prayer meeting up here. Just come up here and just stretch out your hands like this. Come up close and let's pray together. God, we want to feast. God, I don't want the leftover tatterings of religion. I want to know the real God. I want to know how you feel about me. I want to know what you think about my school. I want to know what you feel about my world. I want you to know. I want you to speak to me. I want a heart that burns. I want authority in prayer. I want to crush the head of the enemy. I want to have compassion for people. I want to love holiness. I want all that you'll give. I can't live without it, God. I can't live living with myself as the center of the universe. God, you are the center of it all. You're the center. You're the king. You're the ruler. You reign now you and God right now just ask God God and whatever it is whatever's in your heart just ask for him just say God I want you I want to take more I want to feast on the abundance of your house I want to drink from your river of pleasure I want to know God I want to take more I want more God more power more relationship, more friendship. I want to know God. 
love you, we love you. I want to take a minute and I just want us to do a, a few things here at a time. I'm going to pray for those of you that you go, you know what, bottom line is for me, when I read the scripture, I, I want to love the Bible, but right now it feels boring to me and I, I need a spirit of revelation. Here's what that means. Spirit of revelation means that God reveals things to you. You have aha moments when you, when you read it and you go, oh, oh, and it's God talking to you. It's like it's alive rather than feeling boring. And right now you go, I just feel like I, I need, I, and, and all of us go through seasons where there's, it feels like there's life and then there other times it's hard, but you go, I, I, I just feel like I want the Bible to become exciting to me. I, I, I want to love his word. I want to love the word of God. I want to love the New Testament. I want to love the, reading the gospels and reading the stories of Jesus. And I want those to come alive to me. I want to love the teachings of Jesus. I, I want to love that. If that's you, that's, that's a piece of the feast that today you go, I want that. I'm gonna pray for you to have a spirit of revelation in just a minute. And I wanna tell you this. When I was 19 years old, I had a pastor tell me, pray this prayer every day. He said, pray for a spirit of revelation every day. And I wanna tell you this, not every day, but most days, I've been praying that and I believe that God answers prayer and I believe that for me, for me, I, 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 there's a lot of times where the Bible feels like a treasure chest to me where I can just, there's, there's a, I memorize something or I pray something or we pray it over in the prayer meetings and then I connect it with something else and it just feels alive. It feels like God's doing stuff and he speaks to me and I like it and it's, it's, it's revelation. And I just, there's some of you that you go, I just, I want the Bible to be alive. I want a spirit of revelation. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Okay, keep them up. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for a spirit of revelation. I ask, Lord, God, you said that we could feast on the abundance of your house. Your word, Lord God, is true. It's real. It's alive today. It's living and active. And God, I pray, Lord God, that the Bible would come alive. The, the written word would come alive every to every hand raised in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, begin a miracle in the hearts of young men and women, Lord God, today. And I pray, Lord God, that the word of God would become a feast. They would love it. Now I want you to take just a moment and I want you to use your own vocal cords and you ask God, ask God for a spirit of revelation. Ready, go. Ask him for the Bible to come alive to you. Whatever pictures you see in your mind, begin to pray it. God, I want to get up early in the morning and study the scriptures. God, I want to read the scriptures when I get home from school. God, I want to read it on my phone, on the bus, whatever it is. But just whatever it is, just begin to pray it. God, let me love your word. those of you that you go, you know what? We're hearing a lot of, about prayer here, desperation. I know I ought to pray, but to me, sometimes I feel like I'm talking to myself. And prayer seems hard to me. And I, 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 wanna, I want God to make prayer enjoyable to me. I want to feast on prayer. I want that peace at the table. I want to I enjoy that. That's what it says in Isaiah. It says, there will be joy in my house of prayer. Prayer is not supposed to be the miserable mandate from a mean God trying to make you repeat things you don't want to say. Prayer is a God that loves you, that delights in you, that wants to have a relationship with you, that invites you in to a conversation with him. If you go, I want to enjoy prayer. I want to feast on that. I want to, to dine, to sup on that. I want to enjoy that. Raise your hand. I want to just pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, for these young men and women. I pray that prayer would be enjoyable to them, that they would feast on a relationship with God that's real. I pray, Lord God, that they would meet you in the secret place, in corporate prayer meetings, in prayer walks, 
prayer walks across high schools. I pray that there would be a confidence that you hear their prayers and that their prayers make a difference. One more. I want to pray for those of you that you go, you know what? I'm scared to death to be bold about Jesus. It's just, it's just, in church, maybe I'll be, you know, talk about it, but man, when I'm out in public or when I'm at my school, I I feel awkward even telling people about Jesus. And you, you, don't, you haven't experienced the joy and the delight of getting to share the, the one that you love the most. And you're like, I, I want to be bold. I, don't, I, don't, I, wanna, I want courage. I want God to give me courage. It's not something that you just bolster up. It's the evidence of God so alive in you and you're taking risks. And you go, I want more boldness. You know, Paul prays it. At the end of Ephesians, here he is. He's a guy that's shipwrecked for the gospel. He's, he's, he's drug out of a city where they threw rocks at him and left him for dead because they thought he was dead. And he marched right back into the city and kept preaching the gospel. I mean, he's the one that he preaches to the Gentile world. He's ridiculed and he's mocked. He's beaten. And yet he's still praying. Even in Ephesians, he's going, pray that I may fearlessly make known the gospel. I want to be bold. I don't want to be fearful. If you want God to do a miracle in your heart, you as an individual this afternoon, to where he grants you his courage, I you raise your hand and I want to pray for you. Father, we ask for courage. God, we don't want to live timid, fearful, scared. God, we want to be bold. We want the pleasure and the privilege and the delight of proclamation sharing who you are to a world that's living in darkness. I pray that this army would light up the world, would be a light to high schools and junior highs across our nation. In Jesus' name, have your way. God, have your way.